This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this is Enterprise BizBytes. Jobs don't require four-year college degrees. Employers do. This was what MC Burning Glass, a labor market data company in the States, said in a report about shifting to skills-based hiring as key as a key to growing the U.S. workforce. This was research done in tandem with Harvard Business School and they analyzed more than 51 million jobs posted between 2017 and 2020. In the report, they outlined that skills-based hiring can widen the pool of applicants during the recruitment process with more applicants to choose from and without the artificial constraint of degrees filling in vacant positions would become easier helping people manage their talent needs for workers skills-based hiring could create more opportunities for non-degree holders with non-traditional backgrounds the thing is though um This sounds slightly idealistic in some parts. So the question of whether we'll ever see it in Malaysia uh, is a big one there. Uh, We're going to be diving a little bit into this and maybe the benefits here to highlight to other HR managers. If you have any thoughts on this, you can let us know on our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Just WhatsApp us over on that number. So does skills-based hiring have a place in our job market economy and startup ecosystem? Or is it still too much of a leap of faith for Malaysian employers? Years. Uh, to find out, we're speaking with Paul Thomas, Chief Human Resources Officer with Online Employment Marketplace Seek Asia. We'll also be exploring a little bit on how skills-based hiring could possibly change recruitment and education here in Malaysia. Uh, Paul, can you hear me loud and clear? I can, Roshan. Fantastic. A good sound coming in from your end, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. So we'll jump into the first question here. Um, and it's a bit of a wide one. How feasible is skills-based hiring in Malaysia at this present point? Uh, thank you for having me, Roshan. And uh, yeah, on uh, skill-based hiring, I think it's a really interesting topic and it's beginning to gain traction here in Malaysia. Uh, some companies are already doing it. Uh, so if you look into the tech sector, uh, doing uh, testing uh, basically for people who do coding, for example, is widespread. So it's here to stay, I would say, and it's beginning to gain traction in other industries as well. Now, is this something that's uh, you've noted a few tech more more tech oriented businesses there? Yeah. So, is this something that's more suitable for particular types of businesses or size of business? Perhaps say maybe startups and SMEs, uh, as opposed to the bigger MNCs and public listed companies. Is that something you're seeing? Uh, Roshan, I think there's wide ranging application for skill based hiring. So, I use tech as an example simply in terms of prevalence. Uh, it is being used and used widely by those tech companies. Uh, but I think in terms of uh, where else can this be applicable, I think it's not limited to type of company, size of company. Uh, I think there's opportunities right across uh, the whole spectrum of, uh, I guess, companies out there. Right. Um, any any particular industries or types that come to mind um, outside of tech? Because this sounds yeah. like you'd have to be able to quantify, objectively quantify the skills, correct? Yeah, that's true, uh, uh, Roshan. So if you think about it, you know, even companies that have got predominantly sales-based employees, um, what this does is basically you can, you can easily test uh, for people's uh, uh, ability to to sell a product, you can basically create uh, scenarios where you basically have uh, people work on a particular scenario uh, and uh, you do role playing, for example. That is a, another 
example of uh, skill-based hiring that is very applicable for sales and customer service type roles. Uh, companies are beginning to use a lot of role plays in their in their hiring process. So that I think is an example where skill-based hiring can be applicable to non-tech jobs. Right. So it's uh, it's about the companies themselves building out assessment mechanisms that that are able to test the skills that they need, right? So the role-playing you mentioned, or even simple uh, tests that you can utilize to test particular skills. It's not about getting LinkedIn certifications and that kind of certification, uh, but are you able to apply whatever coding you learned at home to build this process for us if you're a tech company? Or uh, if you say you have great presentation skills, are you able to actually utilize them to build a deck to sell something? Is that where we're heading to here? Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both, Roshan. So, you know, uh, people who basically go and get themselves certified, and there's a lots of opportunities now uh, for you to get certified in a whole host of areas. Um, that is a way of you demonstrating that you have mastered a particular skill. And, uh, you know, we, we can talk about how you position yourself uh, in, in uh, being able to stand out as a mm. candidate with those kind of certification. But that aside, it's also applicable in the areas you pointed out, Roshan, right, where you're able to demonstrate a mastery of a skill uh, by showing a prospective employer uh, through these mechanisms, you know, uh, role plays or, you know, part of an assessment center where you're basically asked to work on a particular uh, task. And if you're able to demonstrate that you can apply that skill to solve that task, you have basically demonstrated mastery of that particular skill. And uh, that's what I meant about skill-based hiring uh, in, uh, in, its, uh, in terms of its wide-ranging applications. It's the application part, right? It's, again, how you take all this information and knowledge and actually apply it to the real world, which is a question that we often hear or a statement we often hear when you join the workforce and you're like, I learned all this in school. Now I have to figure out how to apply it into the real working world. Um, now, so just a slight tangential point here, given that, you know, a lot of this depends on the hiring manager's skill set and experience. Is it then more risky for a younger startup or a younger company to utilize a skills-based uh, methodology towards their hiring practices? Roshan, on the contrary, I think it basically de-risks the, the whole process. Uh, you know, if you spend time up front in terms of being clear in terms of the skill requirements of a role, and you test for it, you are essentially de-risking the whole hiring process because the traditional way of hiring, you use education as a proxy. You use years of experience as a proxy. Uh, and there's a McKinsey and co-company uh, study out there that basically states that uh, using skills as a proxy for predicting job performance is two times more effective than actual job experience and is as much as five times more effective than using education as a proxy. So I think that is telling and it is food for thought uh, for companies that, you know, hesitate in using skill-based hiring for a startup where the risk of making the wrong hiring decision is much higher given the cost structures that, you know, startups have to deal with. Uh, this is a way of actually de-risking that process. Mm. So for me, it's less risk rather than more risk for a startup to really start thinking around using 
skill-based hiring as part of their recruitment uh, processes. I guess that's why, especially when you're smaller, uh, when you're just starting up, um, I find that a lot of uh, employers out there or or start founders always rely on recommendations, right? Because it's basically an endorsement of someone's skill set as opposed to what's on the paper. uh, And you're seeing a lot more of these opportunities present themselves in the startup world. So thanks for highlighting that, uh, Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Obviously, all of this has uh, implications towards education. So I want to touch on that for a little bit. Um, If skills-based hiring starts to become more valuable in the workforce, um, what does this potentially mean for the current tertiary education system and model? Yeah, Roshan, that is a topic which, you know, has been a hot topic for some time now. You know, are we producing graduates who are employable? Uh, And I see this as a huge opportunity, right? Uh, An opportunity for a partnership between industry and academia uh, to look at curriculums, to look at basically ensuring that, you know, uh, universities, colleges are producing graduates that have got skills that are going to be able to be utilized by companies almost from the day they join. So I think there's an opportunity for this partnership to be further tightened. Industry, uh, I guess, uh, uh, experts to basically uh, partner with uh, with uh, academics uh, when they look at developing curriculums, uh, when they look at you know what are the skills that are truly valued, and actually to teach and develop students uh, to gain uh, not just uh, theoretical knowledge but you know the ability to apply that knowledge in a in a real world setting. So I see that as a huge opportunity. Uh, where industry and academia can actually partner and ask themselves, you know, how do we fix this in such a way that we give our graduates the best possible opportunity to be employed? Paul, i got more questions on education, but we've got to go into a few messages. So we will be back in just a little bit. Uh, folks, if you just joined us on the back of an MC Burning Glass report uh, that stated that outlined that skills-based hiring can widen the pool of applicants during the recruitment process, helping manage the talent gap that we are seeing. Today on the phone, I've got Paul Thomas, Chief Human Resources Officer with Online Employment Marketplace Seek Asia to give us uh, to explore skills-based hiring and how we can apply it here in Malaysia as well as its value. You've been listening to Enterprise Biz Bites. We will be back in just a few minutes. I'm Roshan Kinesen. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Bunkus for Makan. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kinesen, and this afternoon I've been speaking with Paul Thomas, Chief Human Resources Officer with Online Employment Marketplace Seek Asia, and we've been talking about skills-based hiring. And this is on the back of an MC Burning Glass report that outlined that skills-based hiring could help widen the pool of applicants during a recruitment process, therefore helping us with get more applicants without the constraint of a degree, making the talent management process much easier or at least more accessible. Um, Paul, earlier we were talking a little bit about the education side of things and how, you know, skills-based hiring could change the tertiary education system. Um, One of the other ways that maybe this could impact the way we think about education or at least skill development is whether we should be starting to recommend that students, even while they're studying, uh, that they learn other saleable skills outside their majors in order to keep up with this new mode of hiring? Uh, yeah, I would certainly encourage uh, students out there to give this due consideration for one simple reason. Uh, you know, in tight labor markets, you need to find a way to stand out. 
And to be able to demonstrate that, you know, you have actually accumulated skills beyond just what your basic degree or college diploma has provided you allows you to differentiate yourself from other candidates, allows you to stand out and gives you a better chance at landing your dream job. On that note, right, Paul, we were talking a little bit about how um, the process would then require assessment based on the the, the employer side of things. Um, a lot of times we're so used of we're so used to using CVs and resumes in our job yeah. searches now. How do we translate that over? Because not all skills are if you're self-taught or if you've learned it on the fly, it's not something that you may want to put on your CV in a certain way, or if it doesn't have a certification to back it, maybe it doesn't have a certain air to it. Um, is it a matter of copywriting skills here on your resume or are we, is there something else that can be done to make it fair to those who may not be able to dress things up as nicely? Yeah, I think it's about strategizing how you uh, present your CVs. Uh, and, uh, you know, just basically, it depends. If you're currently in the workforce and you're currently working, you might not have, uh, let's say, a formal education. But you've got years of experience where you have demonstrated that you have accumulated the right skills and you've been able to deliver. And so, you know, you set up a section in your CV where you show a link between, you know, skills that you have accumulated over the years and how that has resulted in outcomes which were meaningful for the company that you work for. So drawing that link, making that link is is very important. Just basically putting a laundry list of skills that you have is not going to allow you to stand out. You must be able to show that those skills that you have gained on the job or through certification or what have you has resulted in you being able to deliver excellent outcomes. That's what needs to come out in a CV for you to be able to stand out. So are we talking about different kinds of CVs or resumes where maybe there is a portfolio attachment uh, to illustrate the kind of work you can do because, you know, maybe it's a piece of code if you're a, you're a, a coder yeah. or that sort of thing. Is that yes. what we're looking at? And maybe have you seen any of this? Absolutely, Roshan. And I think that's what you do, right? Uh, you know, I use the word standout quite liberally throughout this, this, this chat that we're having, right? Uh, it is about what can you do to basically be discoverable by a future employer, Right. So, you know, if you can't go about saying that, you know, I've got an MBA from Howard Business School, then you need to basically show that here's a portfolio of projects that, you know, I've worked on, applied these skills and have been very successful, right? So use that as an attachment into your CV, right? And, uh, you know, that becomes uh, a talking point that differentiates you, that hopefully gives you an interview and that gives you an opportunity then to, uh, you know, provide further data points to a, a prospective employer that this is how, you know, I've gained the skills and this is how I've applied it to get good effect. So it, it, it's all of us are basically going to have to create some kind of uh, portfolio element uh, to illustrate the kind of skill sets that we have. Um, LinkedIn seems to be doing that a little bit on some uh, some elements, you know, making you do little tests to, to show uh, whether you have the skill set or otherwise on the flip side, getting multiple references and testimonials on your behalf. Um 
moving on from that point though, uh, once we start seeing workers, because you know, once you start telling people, oh, you should be developing skills on, on top of your education, people are going to start thinking at what are the hot skills to get, right? What I should be focused on this, I should be focused on that. Uh, is the situation we have with doctors right now. Doctors, everyone kept saying, go be a doctor. And now we have an oversupply of doctors in the system. And this is, I mean, it's obviously not applied to just that. Many other areas as well have faced this kind of oversupply. Once workers start focusing on gaining more skills and they start focusing on maybe too narrow a range of skills, is there a risk that we could start seeing, again, like oversupply, oversaturation in the talent market of particular skill sets? Um, or am I maybe overthinking this a little bit? Yeah, so Roshan, my, my view is, you know, the world keeps evolving, right? Jobs keep evolving, right? Uh, learning is a lifelong pursuit. Right. And, uh, you know, gaining skills, you know, in my opinion, is uh, is 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 always a worthwhile endeavor. Right. Uh, learning is never lost. Uh, it's a question as to how you apply it. Right. It's about keeping attuned with the needs of industry. And, you know, it depends on what field you're in. Every job is different. Every job that you aspire for, you know, there are things that allows you again to be the preferred candidate you know, to be very astute in understanding, you know, what are the evolving needs of a role, a job, could be your dream job in this instance. And basically to ask yourself and, you know, again, through networking and, uh, you know, I'll make a bit of a pitch here for, for Seek as well. You know, we launched something called Seek Max. It's just been launched in Malaysia. You can go get that for free on the Job Street app. Uh, and, you know, it's a learning platform. And you basically can go in there and basically, uh, you know, sign up for for, for learning uh, podcasts or learning content uh, for free. Uh, and there's influencers there, there's subject matter experts in there that, you know, provides you career guidance as well, right? That's one example of how you educate yourself in terms of understanding what are the needs of industry. As a prospective employee, a job seeker, you basically... Uh, educate yourself in terms of understanding what are the shifting uh, uh, trends or patterns in terms of skills that employees are looking for and go gain those skills either through certification or on the job exposure and experience. And then you basically find ways and means to to promote the fact that you have those skills uh, in, in your CV. So that's that's the name of the game. And that is uh, it's a moving target. Mm -hmm. Right. It, and yeah, so I don't think you're going to be in a situation where, you know, you you get saturated with skills and then it doesn't become a point of, of differentiation any longer. Um, any insights in terms of the kind of uh, trending topics on the platform you're seeing that you, on the education? Is there anything that people are particularly gravitating towards? Uh, it, it is job specific, Roshan. I mean, uh, you know, coding skills for people in the tech industry, that never goes out of fashion. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would also say that, you know, pay equal importance to soft skills. Uh, and that's simply things like, you know, the ability to, uh, to think clearly, to prioritize, to focus, to be able to communicate effectively, right? Uh, those are skills that are equally important. Uh, companies look for both technical skills and also look for soft skills, uh, including cultural fit. And so... Uh, it is equally important to ensure that, you know, you're not over-indexing on just technical skills to land your dream job. 
Now, with this kind of recruitment, Paul, uh, as you mentioned earlier, skills-based assessments are going to become really important in determining whether this uh, individual meets the skills criteria. Um, what sort of resources will companies need so that their recruiters, their HR managers uh, are able to integrate skills-based hiring in interviews appropriately? Um, will they need training? Will they need tools? Uh, how is this going to look like? Yeah, so Roshan, as I said earlier, some companies are already good at this. Uh, others are beginning to show interest that, you know, this makes sense. Uh, you need to invest. You need to invest time and effort in terms of getting your recruiters, your internal recruitment teams, if you're using internal recruitment teams, uh, to be aware of, you know, what are skills frameworks, uh, competency frameworks, uh, which is uh, specific for a particular job. Understand, you know, and ensure that job descriptions are written in such a way that they are explicit around the skills requirements for jobs. So that needs a bit of rethink and uh, redoing of how uh, companies currently approach uh, the hiring process. Many PDs or job descriptions, position descriptions, however you want to call it, uh, tends to be less uh, less emphasis on skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens to be more on education and, and work experience required for the role. Uh, you need to also involve hiring managers, uh, make sure that they are basically asking questions that will flesh out these skills. They need that, that's, that's a muscle they need to develop. Uh, it's not something that will just happen uh, on, on its own. Uh, <laughs> you may need to be thinking about you know, bringing in um, subject matter experts uh, to be part of the interview process so that they can ask the appropriate questions, uh, which will then enable them to I guess, uh, gain uh, comfort that uh, the candidate in front of them, you know, has got the requisite skills for the role. Uh, Paul, as we come to uh, a conclusion in this uh, segment, um, will we see, on the back of that, will we see different people other than, you know, traditional HR folks or uh, recruiters uh, start being at the recruitment table as skills-based assessments become more widespread? Absolutely. Yeah. Going back to my earlier comments, I think you will see more subject matter experts being pulled into the picture uh, because they will be in the best position to make those assessments or evaluations in terms of, you know, it, is this candidate uh, able to demonstrate the right skills for the role? So that I think would definitely be happening. Hiring managers have to develop new skills as well. Recruitment teams have to develop new skills as well for them to get the most out of skill-based hiring. All right, Paul, as, uh, before we wrap up here, anything you'd like to highlight about skills-based hiring that we haven't perhaps touched on yet? Uh, Roshan, I'm just going to end by saying it's here to stay. Uh, there is a lot of research out there that says that, you know, it is, in fact, the smarter way of hiring. Uh, it basically also translates to actual savings in terms of cost because you're hiring more relevant candidates, you're able to hire them at a faster pace. And that simply means less time and effort in terms of having to deal with wrong hires in your organization. All right, Paul, on that note, thank you so much for joining me uh, on the line today. You're most welcome. And thank you for having me, Roshan. Folks, I've been, I was speaking with Paul Thomas, Chief Human Resources Officer with Online Employment Marketplace, Seek Asia. And we were talking about skills-based hiring. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other major podcast players. Just look up for 
Enterprise Biz Bites. Looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay ha- happening after the 1 p.m. news bulletin. FWD Group is one of the fastest growing pan Asian life insurers and entered the Malaysian life insurance market with a majority investment into Gibraltar BSN Life Berhad. Chairman uh, Professor Frederick Ma shares with us the criteria behind each additional country added to the company's footprint and how it differentiates itself in this competitive space. That's happening after the 1pm News Bulletin. I'm Roshan Kainis and this has been Enterprise Biz Bites. Keep it here at BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.